0: What I find really interesting about podcasting is, like, I listen to them. Okay, like, I, I I've been, li- I love the medium. I've been listening to podcasts for years, and I think there's a certain formula that works on certain topics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, there has to be a level of energy or interest by the people speaking; otherwise, your your
1: listeners just not going to be interested. You know what I mean? So, one thing that's interesting okay. is that a lot of people, when they're a guest on a podcast, they Automatically assume it's an interview. Yeah, and they wait to be asked questions like it's a TV appearance. Yes, that's not a podcast. No,
0: well, that's what I think you guys do so well at. You really have created an atmosphere. Like one of the things we're struggling with right now is that in the winter, Danny's been down in uh, Florida. You know what I mean? And it's just like you know having like remotes just sucks. You know, I know you guys went to do it all back in. You know, (laughs) we don't do it. We don't do remotes. I know it sucks.
1: We 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 did like in during the pandemic, but.
0: Um yeah, we had to. You had to.
1: You gotta tell Danny uh change his lifestyle. <laughs> he moved to Boca.
0: Like are you kidding me?
1: That'll be me. That'll be me, but the seven years. Yeah. Seven um, I, gotta, I gotta Are wild. you
0: really gonna move once the kids are gone? You're going to Florida? I won't be
1: there all year, but I'll be there in the winter.
0: Yeah. I just don't I'm not like I just don't enjoy Florida, to be frank. Um I mean I like going for Super Bowls and what is not fields. to like
1: about Florida? <laughs> If the choice is between shoveling snow in the suburbs in New York, yeah. which you don't have to deal with, no, but I, I do, um, or that, it's the most obvious. To That's why her, I'm man. never
0: leaving here. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. So I am an empty nester right now. Um, my oldest daughter is a freshman in college. My youngest daughter is at boarding school. She's a junior. And um, I've had the best like seven months of my 23 years marriage. Sure, Should not you want to
1: put this out there?
0: No. Oh, are we taping right now?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. So no, it's been absolutely amazing.
1: I don't think the girls listen to to. No, they don't. The Actually,
0: I told you this that my daughter, who's a junior in high school. One of her professors brought up a comment that you made.
2: You said this she at the NASDAQ saying, tape. She did she I, I? did. Yeah. Oh, she was and there. She was embarrassed in the, the back.
0: She was embarrassed. You yeah. saw her, right? She's it's like, like yeah. Dad, I told you. I know. Do yeah. not
1: do not involve me in she your was like, shenanigans. Nobody says that
0: anymore. No, but we somewhere. we have just been doing awesome shit. Last weekend it was in Tempe, Arizona. I saw Eddie Vedder, Weezer, Green Day, and Marcus mm. Mumford. Oh, you
1: went to uh, the the Innings Innings? Fest? Yeah, yeah, it was that, awesome. That's my friend's. Fe- my friend works at Live Nation. That's his thing. It, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. You
0: know, I'm going to Jazz Fest in in May. I'm you know like, I'm just doing whatever the hell I want. Can I tell you that, In I, London, can I tell you
1: something? My wife and I are in the most stressful period we've yes. ever been in because of the age of my kids. Oh, yeah. One is 14, one is turning 17. Yeah. You know, she doesn't, dri- my daughter doesn't drive yet. I'm yeah. still driving both kids everywhere around the clock. Yeah. The problems of teenagers are 10x the problems of toddlers. Yeah. Like everything is mental, right? Like when you have young kids, yeah. it's physical. You have to constantly be carrying them, holding them, feeding them. When they're teenagers, it's all emotional distress. Yeah. All around the clock, it never stops. Yeah if we have an afternoon without the kids, like if we're just like, hey, let's let's just go out to lunch, let's just get out of here, we like all of a sudden it's like we're back in yeah. the early days well, of when dating. you fell in love. Like we mm-hmm. like each other, it turns yeah. out. <laughs> and then one of these f-ing assholes will all call right. <laughs> or or start texting her some bullshit. I, I call him a hole. And then it's over that's fine.
0: Um right. I, I will tell you this. This is the and this is the the, the the truth about like going from you know having teenagers to them out of the house every morning that I wake up I don't fill my headspace with have they eaten have they taken their meds do they know where they're going are they going to get to that doctor's appointment right. what time's the game after school and then okay so that's an hour every morning that my brain is just freed of well, after you don't meditate every morning like I do years, I <laughs> I did headspace for like three six books? months <laughs> and, and yeah and then and then the last hour of the day you're not like dude. De, the press send get that paper to the teacher
1: yeah. uh, you know go to bed um, you, did you do this you know what I mean that's gone whose sweatshirt is this put your laundry away All that stuff. Uh, right so I'm uh, listen I'm not in any rush Yeah. I love having my kids with me yeah. I know that I'll be very lonely when it's over yeah but that is the silver lining if you're still together with your spouse yeah is like a calm it seems The th- so the friends that I have who are in their 50s whose kids are in college already Um, they're all on edibles all day and they're just checked (laughs) out. I'm on edibles right now. And I know they're listening to (laughs) this and they know who, you know who I'm referring to. They're just checked out, but like they did it. It's like an, remember when Al Gore lost the the election in 2000 and then he like grew a beard. Yeah. It was like an achievement beard. Yeah. Even though he lost, (laughs) it was just like, this is my shit now. That's what my friends who have just had their kids go out into the world they I'm like still uh, keeping it together. I mean, I'm I'm in that no, no, category. No, I'm not saying know? like falling apart. I'm yeah. just saying it's almost like a it's a exhale. It, it yeah. seems like for me from the outside. I wouldn't know, but that's that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but again, I think your your point is that
0: the teenage issues are so much more complicated than, than toddlers. And that's really like, it, it takes a
1: lot more of your brain power. The, the simplest way to state it is little kids. Nick is now never going to get married. <laughs> little, little kids, little problems. Yeah, Big kids, big problems. Yeah. And by the way, my kids are on a roll. Like, you yeah. know, they do everything that they're supposed to do, but yeah. they're still teenage kids in America. Yeah. And it's... It's
2: horrendous.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you. Uh, a lot, a lot of dads with daughters. I know you have two daughters. Yeah. A lot of dads with daughters are like, no, nobody's good enough for my little princess or whatever. Or oh, I'm going to walk to the front door when the doorbell rings with a shotgun when she gets picked up for the. Pro-. I'm like, is there a boy out there who will? Who will take this girl away from my wife for a night? Like, just go out to, I'll pay for dinner. Just take her out on a date. Yeah. What,
0: but you know what's you know what's really, again, as a father love of daughters. You, love you, pumpkin. I, I, she's not listening. No. Um, what I think is interesting Ever. about that, I just think it's a really important part of socialization for for, for people to have girlfriends, boyfriends, you know what I mean, mm. at that, that age. And yeah. I think that COVID stripped a lot of that stuff. I think social media and the phones strip a lot of that stuff. Um, and it's
1: very different than when we were teenagers. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We went on dates in high school. Yes. They, they her and her friends, they know. hook up. They don't go on dates. Yeah. Like, no, nobody, like, gets picked up and taken to a movie and dinner and then dropped off at home. Yeah. They go to parties. Things happen. I don't want to know. And then, like, uh, I'm like, is this so, so-and-so's boyfriend or so-and-so's girlfriend? She's like, that doesn't work that way. Nope. I'm like, are there any? Is there dating? Is there? Does anybody call the house and ask? May I please speak with? She's like, <laughs> nobody's
2: calling the house. No one's we have, calling. No one's calling. Do right? you remember how nerve wracking it calling, was yeah. calling a house phone of a girl uh, that you were wanting to ask out or something? You have to hang up on the dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's
1: just no
0: possible way you're having that. Really? Yeah. I I like, you would. You would have talked about the Knicks for like ten minutes. No, with that's the dad. you.
1: I could see you becoming yeah. best friends. I, oh, I, I was the, great with the mom the and dad of the girl great, that you like. I was, I was always great with the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was like w- waiting for the parents to pull out of the driveway. Yeah. And then like stopping. Like, I always did really well with adults, whether yeah, they'd be nah. teachers, not coaches, but not uh, me, my friends. Yeah. Not me. How are we doing, guys? New studio. Who this? It's really dope. Yeah. Almost, as the kids say. Almost there. So let me point out some of the features. Um, you're a podcaster. Yeah so we did a very dark wall which i think accomplishes two things the first is it stops the reflection all the light bouncing yeah. all over the room so i think what you'll see on youtube is a better lit version of us yeah right because these guys can now control the lighting better that's and, the hope that's the hope um if not we'll paint it back what <laughs> wait what else is there what else what else did we do differently
2: uh, I mean, so the wall is mainly just aesthetic to look nicer in the background, but also yeah to prevent reflections. We also uh, went away from the toys. We yeah. now have color coded books on the wall. Still a few toys. We have whatever this Andy Warhol inspired. Um, That's mouse called a bear, bear brick. brick. Bear, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have, yeah.
0: Do you know what this is from? Around. I'm going to tell you yeah, what this is from. Lighting.
1: You
0: know what this is from? Go. Did you see the uh, Blade Runner 2049? With- Close, Quait Barrel. But did you know? Do you know, <laughs> the spoiler error, response. You do, do you know this little? <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. No, but there's a little. There's a little
1: thing that uh, Gosling's character is, is. Is I only saw it once. I guess I gotta it's, rewatch it. It's a it. great movie. Is Blade? Is the new Blade Runner better than the new Dune? I love the Dune. The same director. Right. Which one's better movie? The um, Dune was an amazing movie. An amazing movie. It was movie. mesmerizing. Do you see it? I haven't seen it. I've yet. seen uh, it six I, times. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. What's so good about it is how <laughs> bad it. the first one oh, is, yeah. like, technological, like, uh, yeah. the effects. Yeah. It was, like, a 1983 movie, and Sting it just had no it. hope. Sting was in yeah, it. Yeah, it had, it had no hope.
2: Michael loves that director.
1: Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah,
2: Villeneuve.
1: Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great movie. All right, we ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. I think so. All right, we don't have Dan here forever. Yeah, I got to go, I gotta go do, do Fast Money. Right. You t- are you on tonight? Yeah. Okay. want to give us some stock (laughs) picks? All right. Here we go. Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Episode 82. Wow. Dan Nathan is here. And we have a special guest host today. Nick Majuli is here. Hello, everyone. John is back from uh, Belgium and France. What was the highlight of the uh, the trip? It's the best thing you did. Don't say waffles.
3: <laughs> no, there's actually a crazy carnival in Dunkirk, which was a surprise.
1: In Dunkirk? Yeah. In the north of France? Yep. Oh, good for you. I thought he was going to say Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. Yeah. Uh, Duncan is here. Nicole is here. Got a new look studio today. Let me introduce who is in the room with me. First of all, filling in for Michael Batnick, who is in Arizona at the moment is Nick Majuli. Nick Majuli is the chief operating officer here at Red Wealth. Uh, Nick has one of the best, I, I would say one of the, the consistently, uh, one of the best, most consistent blogs in all of finance. It's called Of Dollars and Data. If you follow me on social, you have probably seen me every Tuesday when he publishes sharing that link. Uh, Nick is also the author of the book, Just Keep Buying, which came out at the top of the market? I, I would. Is, is that accurate? A- April, April twenty twenty two. So uh, not it, April 2022. the recovery in twenty twenty two before it crashed again. Yeah, dude, it's so. the right. Listen, it's the right message. It's the right message, but the timing was like <laughs> you know you can't control that. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but I think if people followed what you said and they kept buying throughout twenty twenty two, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, they are higher, right? Uh, If they kept on average, I don't know.
3: Actually, if you if you started buying at the beginning of twenty twenty one, right, just like let's say same amount every month, 1000 bucks a month. You did that for all 24 months to the end of 22. You're only down like a hundred bucks right now. It's like very, like just into the okay. S&P 500. So even though like the market is down since the beginning of 21, if you're buying every month,
1: you're not down that badly or something. Uh, where's yeah. the book? Do we have that? Give me this. Yeah. Yeah. That's I- I'm gonna stuff. let you leave with it. All right, for the cameras, this is Just Keep Buying. If you don't have a copy yet, I don't really know what to tell you. Nick is uh, Nick is an incredible writer. Uh, and, and our guest today is Dan Nathan. Dan is the principal. Of risk reversal advisors he is the co-founder of risk reversal media uh where he is the co-host of the second best financial podcast it's called on the tape uh also okay computer which is your tech podcast yes okay you go with Packy. who else Pac- packy has
0: been doing it um we've we have katie stanton rick Heitzman of first mark um a whole host of, of great oh, jeff killer. richards pops on yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's good
1: um and what's market call
0: Market Call is what Guy Adami and I do every Monday through Thursday at 1 o'clock, one o'clock live. Where? Uh, it's a video streaming thing. You can find it on our YouTube. We just launched a YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah, so we do that. It's a very visual. YouTube, Ca- YouTube's going to be big. C- Carter Braxton someday. <laughs> Carter Braxton Worth joins us. Liz Young joins us. Okay. Uh, it's really good.
1: I haven't gotten the invite yeah. yet. Yeah. I, I, I assume maybe it's in my spam filter. It's must have hit we'll, that. We'll, we'll we'll check on that. Yeah. All right, we're we are, and you are a CNBC Fast Money contributor, which yes. is where you and I first met. How long have you been a contributor? Uh, since two thousand and nine. Now, are you salty at all at the differential in what I get paid versus you, or like, are you okay with that? I, I feel pretty good about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wait. Do you know what I get? All right. Well, <laughs> we'll talk offline. I think you. I think you and I met on the set of Fast Money originally. Right. 10, 11. 10 or 11. That makes sense. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, here's where we're going to start. The S&P fell below its 200-day moving average. And it spent pretty much all of 2022 below its uh, 200-day. And really, it seems to be hugging uh, this area. 3,900, 4,000, 4,100 is the the top of the range. The range seems to be narrowing, uh, but it's not, it's not quite falling apart. Uh, how important is this to you? So I think that's a theme that's really important
0: going back to 2022. Like, like it wasn't, Disastrous, like meaning, like to to Nick's point. If you kept on buying the whole way, the duration of the drawdown at its lows, the S and P was down twenty seven percent, right? But
1: October, right? And 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 it had
0: a nice rebound into the end of the year, and so it didn't feel uh, panicky. Um, The VIX never got meaningfully above twenty five. You know that two hundred day that you just referenced was technical resistance to the people who care about that sort of stuff. So. The fact that we're talking about it right now I think is important because we have a 20 VIX. But the most important thing is that we have a Fed funds that's about to be over 5%. Yeah, okay? it's crazy. In our lifetimes, I mean, like since we've been in the markets, okay, so the last 20 or for me like 25 years, the 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 Fed funds has rarely been above, you know, that level, which I think is really interesting, right? right. So um, you know— It's important right now because I think there's just a whole heck of a lot of uncertainty about where the economy shakes out, how we do with rates where they are, where valuations are in the stock market, okay? Like that's what's being – like that's the battleground right now. And I guess when I think about it, and I think you and I have talked about this probably in our pods before, is that we still have five or six stocks that all look – from, as companies very similar to each other, right? When you think about the largest ones that make up 25% of the S and P, and they make up 40% of the Nasdaq, and they are still driving the train. So that line, whether it gets breached or whether it holds, really, in my opinion, is dependent on a handful of stocks. Still,
1: still, even though they're even though market cap wise they're smaller.
0: Yeah. I mean they're down, let's call it fifteen percent on average from their highs. I know Google and Amazon are down a bit more. Tesla's obviously down a lot more, but uh, Apple and Microsoft, the relative strength that they've shown, I think, is really important. And those two stocks are about four and a half trillion dollars in market cap. Just think about that. It's probably one and a half X the entire Russell two thousand.
1: Right. So what so when you when you see the divergence in not that like, you know, m- my shop, we don't predict where the S P is gonna end the year, but that's what a lot of yeah. attention is on just because people like to have some semblance of a guess that makes sense to them when you look at the dispersion between where the strategists are and you look at the fact that on balance they're negative yeah like isn't that the most bullish yes. thing in the like it's it's hard to be bearish in the presence of that much professional bearishness
0: yeah. Well, uh, so we just had Tom Lee, a fun strat. I know he's been yeah. on your pod and you've known Not him a for bear. a long time. Not a bear. Um, <laughs> and, and just, you know, I mean, I- I've known Tom a long time. I have a ton of respect for him. The, 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 the amount of qualitative work that he does just talking to people and then the amount of quantitative work they do as a fund, right, looking at the markets and arriving at their, you know, their outlook is really impressive. Um, But he is often labeled as a perma bull, right? And so that doesn't really change his tune. So our viewers or our listeners have been saying, listen, you guys got to bring on somebody who does not confirm your views because every week it's this strategist after that. And we can't find too many of them. That's your point. Guy, and Danny are pretty bearish. Yeah. Okay. And we have been. And, and you we have, have been. And you have th- been. It's not new. No. So we started our podcast in, in January of 2021, Danny, Guy, and myself. And and again, I mean, I think we've been tactically long um, individual names. We've been tactically long parts of the market. We've actually made calls where we've said, we're done with our shorts. We think we can rally. We did that in June of 2022. We did it in October of 2022. Um, and, and again, we've been wrong about a lot of things. We've basically been right about most risk assets for like the last two years. Um What we've been really wrong about was when the NASDAQ was up 18% about a month ago and the S&P was up 10% a month. We didn't really kind of change our tune. You know what I mean? And right. so, but now I don't know about you guys. I don't feel so wrong about that because I actually feel going back to what we started this conversation about. I think what's about to happen with rates, what's about to happen with inflation, what's not happening with unemployment at 53 year lows, what's what happening with a Fed that now is contending with something that there hasn't been a Fed share that's had to deal with a very large, long period of time. I think that's the thing that level of uncertainty with the S and P at 18 times, but basically the 10 year average, and and really importantly, it averaged the S and P 10, it averaged 18 times, and at at the average interest rate in the Fed Funds was like you know under one percent. All the last 10 years, yeah, yeah. Like think about that. So like like something's got to give, and so we've just not been able to find too many bullish strategists. And some of those other perma bulls they threw in the towel late last year, like almost near the lows, which I thought was kind of interesting
1: the timing of that. Right. If you if if I told you that we would see in one year, uh, Fed funds rate go from zero to four and a half percent, would you assume that the stock market would still be able to sell at an average ten year historic uh, multiple of eighteen? I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, I when you look at the the you know two hundred day moving average though, like.
3: Yes, like the SP is now below its 200-day moving average, but like two-thirds of the time, it's a false signal. Like yeah. two-thirds of the time, the market does not crash, does not roll over. Only one-third of the time it does, and that's how you can— some trend-following strategies can make money, right? So it's like if 66% of the time— this goes back to like the early 90s, you can run it even before that, you know? You're going to be, you know— it's a false signal. So like I I go with base rates and like most years the market's up and I, I'm yeah. probably, if you need a bullish person to come on, you can probably talk to me about well, that. Well, that. that's one so, thing
0: that's interesting right. and Josh, I, I'm sure you hear this all the time is that if you're a bull, I mean, one of the pillars of that bull case of forget all of the quantitative data that hopefully goes into their S&P earnings estimates and all that sort of stuff is the fact that to your point, Nick, is that the S&P is rarely down two years in a row. And mm-hmm. I my, so here, this is part of my market DNA, okay? I, I came into the business in 1997. I was at a hedge fund that traded long short and we would turn, you know, like like we would turn, on the market and, you know, for two days and we get really long and, and, you know, and we were just trading every which way. And there was playing a, it
1: like Buffett. Yeah. But there was <laughs> like, a, it. <laughs> and listen,
0: I, I started out working for Steve Cohen. I, yeah. I was 10 feet away from, so it's kind of like the, you know, the Michael Jordan of trading back then, but this huge bubble was inflating and everybody knew it at the time. There's some kind of like notion that like, Oh no, people didn't
1: recognize it. It just popped eventually. No, everyone, and, everyone knew it, but they didn't know how much further it would go. And they all assumed that they would, get out before it ends. Right, and that and that and was a, largely you know, retail. So did. Okay,
0: that was largely retail. Like, 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 who missed the boat? Because most institutions did just fine with that. And I guess my point is, is like, it was the hangover period of the dot com implosion that is just scarred me for kind of life. Because you know, two thousand, no one believed that March was the top, right? And there were some huge rallies, and you guys have seen all the data about the bear market rallies because that's a lot of people are trying to draw an analog to down. what we've seen. Twenty okay? percent rips right. the whole way down. Lots of them. Yeah. There were some thirty percent rips okay and so think about o o no one believed it until the very end. And then in 01, it just felt really bad. And then, you know, you know, we capped by, you know, 9-11 and then Enron and all this sort of, but 02 was the worst year of all of them, felt the worst. So think about a protracted bear market like that. If you're an investor, that's going to turn you away from, you know, a lot of those things that you've come to believe in, in much kind of, uh, you know, easier to predict times. And then I, it just goes back to the financial crisis where of all of the devastation that was done, literally the. Financial world as we know it, it was brought to its knees,
1: and the S&P was down one year. One yeah. year. Yeah. That's it. 9 was an you, you, up year. You, yeah. Like, like that's it. And think about even- And 07 0- closed near the highs. Yeah, but think about 2020. Okay,
0: 2020, we had a black swan event. That term gets mm-hmm. thrown around all the time in markets, right? We literally had the only one that any of us have, will ever live through, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. A pandemic. And the stock market ripped and closed up that year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're somebody that would remain bearish throughout all of that, though, your answer is that's not because of earnings or yeah. that's because of extraordinary policies that were necessary to, like, save the world. Yeah. Like, but it, my answer is, like, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it happened. Doesn't matter. Right? So, yeah. all right. So, so look, I I would have guessed that the October low and then the rally off of that is another bear market rally. Yeah. But so far, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Well, well, all right, so Nick,
0: if the S&P dips below that 200-day moving average, it goes uh-huh. back to that cluster at 3,800 where we ended the year, okay, in December. And let's say we're on our way back to the October lows, which is like 3,550 or something like that. The next target is 3,400. That was the pre-pandemic high in the S&P 500 yep. February of 2020. Think about that. Um, like, I guess you got to go back to some math here. I know that, you know, no one said there was going to be any math here. But yeah. think about where S&P earnings are going to settle out for 2022. They're going to be like $225, okay? And so on an 18 multiple, it kind of gets you like kind of where... So right now, some of the most bearish strategists, some of the smartest people that I know on the, uh, on, on Wall Street, oh. Mike Wilson, for one, yeah. I, I think is... is and I've known Mike for 25 years, okay? And he thinks his base case scenario is $200 in earnings. So, okay, we're not going to have Um, you know, we're not going to have a trough multiple with trough earnings. That's not going to happen, right? We're not going to get, we're not going to see $195 match up with 13 times. And I think it was, was it Tepper or Leon Cooper? One of these guys came on your show, I think, recently and was talking about how they could see an S&P trough multiple 13 times or something like that.
1: 13 times $200 per share in earnings is what? $2,800 S&P, like in that range? Yeah.
0: And then some of the technicals, if you go, I had Carter Worth we're charting um, on our market call yesterday and, and he actually came on Fast Money and he basically, if you do a trend channel on a log basis from the 2009 lows, you take that low down at 666, right? Remember that yeah. one? And you bring it, it actually lines up with our pandemic low. In 2020, okay, so we're at the midpoint of that range, and that's a mathematical like formation when you think about it on a log basis or whatever. So we are like at a really critical technical point for the S and P 500 in and around, let's call it 3,900, where we are, and then to the bottom end of that range gets you down to like 2,800. All right, let me
1: give you, the, let me give you the bullish take on that. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's looking at the same thing here. Well, no, 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 no. Let me, so let let me give you the other side of that. A. The Fed just threw. Five hundred basis points worth of rate hikes at yeah. us in thirteen months, yeah. and literally nothing fell apart. Yeah. Not in credit, not in the stock market, nothing. Not, even housing, yep. so mortgage applications are down. No shit, refis are down. No shit, plenty of demand for houses. Okay, so really, they couldn't crash bonds. They couldn't crash stocks. They couldn't crash the housing market materially. They're all—all all these things are lower. Mm-hmm. We understand that. Yep. So that's one. Most of the bears, if I would have given them that amount of rate hikes in that condensed period of time, they would have said Dow two thousand, uh, Dow twenty thousand. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that didn't happen. Number two, uh, you now have companies that have figured out the playbook for this environment. And look at Salesforce this week. Yeah. They they're not growing, but they're cutting costs. That's all. And that's doing. good enough. Look yeah. at what that's doing for stock prices. Look what it did for Meta. Look what it did for Netflix. Look what it did for Disney. Look what it, so if you're bearish stock, forget about the economy. If you're bearish stocks, what's your answer to that if 300 of the S&P 500 companies adopt that playbook and keep their earnings Uh, growing despite time,
0: no revenue growth. It's time. Okay. So think about that. If you're talking about cutting costs, that means jobs. If you're cutting, cutting CapEx, that means stuff that flows through the economy. Okay. So that's the
1: thing that we haven't seen yet. And we also have unemployment at 50, we have, we have, we've seen it in the headlines though. We have seen it in the headlines. How many days, how many days a week are you seeing unemployment headlines? Listen, I will all the time. I will Um, give you that. Okay. I will give you that 500
0: basis points and in increases. Okay. And, and the S&P is literally only down 10% from where it was a year ago right now. Okay. I'll give you all of that. But let me just tell you this. Okay. You cannot, at a certain point, you know, like those cost cuts are going to work their way into the economy where you have lots of debt that's going to be reset at much higher rates. It's just going to be a slower sort of economy here. And so I guess my point is, is that that's the stock market that you're talking about. And, and the things that go on in the stock market are goofy. I mean, we know... That right because the well, fl- you can't invest
1: in GDP. All right, but this me- is the game. All right,
0: so let me tell you this. All right, so so CRM Salesforce gapped up fourteen percent today. That's a hundred forty billion dollar market cap company. All right, Snowflake, which was a forty billion dollar market cap company, gapped down fourteen percent. Okay, so software company that's growing forty percent a year. Expectations were that they were going to grow forty seven percent. Yeah, but they guided to only forty percent. Crazy, but so- guess what? Snowflake's not in any index. No, I understand. My, my point is about the goofiness in the stock market yes. is kind of what I was saying. It's like this stock was trading at 20 times sales on a $2 billion revenue base. This was just like a few weeks ago. There's still a lot that has to come out of that stock. It's going to have to grow into that valuation on a gap basis. It's still unprofitable, okay? If you look at Salesforce, Salesforce is Cisco circa like 20 years ago. It's a roll-up, okay? And, and Benioff, he might be a genius. He built an amazing company at an amazing time, but he's bought a bunch of shit, and he rolled it all up into a company slack. and now he, Slack and there's a, there's a bunch of other things. And all of those CEOs that were part of his management team, did you notice they all left over the last, you know, few yeah. months and everything like that. So to me, I, I don't think Salesforce to, you know, there's three activists swarming, you know what I mean? Five. Like,
1: five. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's He's listening a, to them. Yeah. Well, I guess he is. I mean, it, like it's it makes working. sense. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that, and I'm not like, I'm not like bullish yeah. per se. Yeah. But if this is how the stock market muddles through, it's not completely ahistorical. Totally. These companies don't necessarily need revenue growth if they can preserve profitability while the economy kind of lurches into normalization. I'm not saying we should have multiple expansion on that. But if 2024 is earnings growth again, like – and we just muddle through this year, it's like not the worst – yeah, I mean, except that you you know you have a Fed balance sheet
0: that's double than it was five years ago. I mean, the world is just like like just awash in debt. I mean, when you think about it, and, and the other point I was going to make about just the, like what transmits to the economy after such a like a, a, a rapid increase in, in rates. Look at some of the data you're starting to see in subprime. You saw Capital One. You saw you know all the banks now are taking like higher you know reserves for for write offs. Um, you saw that the auto delinquency rate is at a 15 year high. It just like over 6%. I mean, these are the sorts of things that people were not paying attention to in 2007. They were not, okay? And you just mentioned that the stock market literally closed very near its all-time highs at the end of 2007, and 2008 was Armageddon. And no one wanted to recognize anything. And I'll just say this, because I, I do a podcast with two guys who are like the biggest like Fed haters. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, and they I love the guys. Yeah, Guy yeah. Adami yeah. Is yeah, he's merciless. got a bone to pick. He's got yeah. a bone to pick. But like, I, I think Jerome Powell has actually been genius, like in a way. I think they made one huge mistake in 2021. Uh,
1: that's, that's a little too
0: far. Well, what, what I'm saying is, is like he got the job in 2018. He wanted to normalize interest rates. I give him a lot of credit for that. Okay, like he did do that. And the stock market dropped 20% in Q4 of that year. Year, and then he did about face. So like, you know, wasn't great. But what he did in 2021 is just kept. they were buying $40 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities in the face of a raging like housing bull market, which made no sense. So they screwed that thing up. But the fact that they are actually sticking to their guns right now, I think is really important. And the fact that they are
1: more infra- afraid of inflation than they are about asset bubbles uh delinquencies and auto loans uh higher credit card loss reserves etc yeah. it's still tiny like it could get worse yeah 100 it probably will but this is the first recession that people were actively preparing for a year in advance and <laughs> argue did who wrote did, which one of us wrote the piece that if it is going to be a recession the consumer has never been in better shape to deal with it or something? Remember? I maybe this is Ben. I, I think Ben probably Just look at the that. bank yeah, account yeah. balances. Yeah. Like, in other words, A, it's the recession that everybody predicted, like, universally. Yeah. And B, we've never been in better shape, corporate balance sheets, yeah. household balance sheets, to contend with an actual slowdown. I mean, never. we've been
3: talking about a recession for how long. Are we in one? Has it happened yet? Is but, it going to happen? Think like,
1: about how extended the average person you knew was in 2005, 6, 7, second homes, third homes, yeah. bullshit mortgages, Uh, Think of how – people are not in that condition right now. They just aren't. The underwriting quality for almost everything has been way better than it was in the mid-2000s. So even if we have a slowdown and higher rates for a year, it's not as though it's like a shock to people. I think we were shocked at how fast rates rose last year. I don't think anyone's shocked right now that they are where they are. Yeah, well, I just say this about like
0: how consumers are positioned right now. Again, with unemployment at three point four percent. Okay, yeah, my
1: wife is positioned at Neiman Marcus. <laughs> exactly. I literally show you on live three sixty. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> no,
0: but but um you know when you think about pre-pandemic what were some of the things that we were really worried about we were worried about automation we are worried about we're talking about things like universal basic income and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah now all, this all side- the truck drivers are
1: going to be unemployed. Right. But,
0: but think about yeah, this yeah, yeah. you know like like Elon Musk just had his investor day and and I and I'm seeing like these bullish like like folk uh, you know on the Tesla cult talking about how like trucking you know autonomous EV trucking could be a hundred percent billion-dollar-a-year business. I mean, literally, I saw this in print today, all right, and stuff like that. But then think about this other craze that's going on with this kind of um, these large language models and all this generative AI and everything like that. That is some of the most disinflationary stuff that you could possibly imagine and throw that back into, you know, like this whole notion that we are like, a, I don't know why unemployment like won't buy. I mean, like it's the, it's the craziest thing in the world. We had 10% unemployment and I know it was forced, you know what I mean, three years ago or whatever it was. I want to hear why you do. But think about if those th- two things all come together, okay, like in, in some way, shape or form, where automation and AI and all this sort of stuff, we could be, you know, uh, on our way back to 5% unemployment
1: in, in, a, in a rough patch of the economy what if all of a sudden people stop getting hired because ai is taking their place i think that's going to happen but over 25 years i don't think that's a 2023 story. no i don't either yeah. but 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 interestingly the enough the fear of it will be in i saw that i
0: saw that credit suisse um, made microsoft today their top pick okay and they're basically saying that the integration of open ai technology into let's say across their productivity tools and bing and this and that, whatever could add 20% to their EPS growth over the we next five years. I just feel bad that
1: Credit Suisse itself won't be around to see that play out. It's gonna be, it's gonna be <laughs> First Boston. Why do you, all right? Why do you think unemployment won't budge? What's your, you have a, you have a take? I, I don't have a take on that. I don't follow that stuff at all. Okay. So, <laughs> My, so mine, so mine is, we had a million people die. Yeah. They're not coming back to the labor force. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those people weren't in the labor force to start. If we're being so, honest. So. All right. Fair. Some were. But really, you had uh, the entirety – I don't want to get you started on Trump. But the entirety of the Trump presidency, there's no immigration, legal or illegal. And there is no immigration, obviously, during the pandemic uh, over the next – So it's seven years, give or take, without young workers coming from anywhere else. And we have a finite supply. Um, And then there's a capital story that Savita writes about. She's like, one of her themes for this year is to invest in – cap uh areas that have been starved of capital in the stock market. So industrials and transportation. Weed. Like tech has had 10 10x the amount of money thrown at it yeah. as oil and gas or whatever the figure is, right? Like just one example of many. Um, but the, anyway, the point is these industries that have been starved of capital as a result, underhired. And that's why all the predictions in the zero percent interest rate era about we're gonna need universal basic income and all the truck drivers are gonna lose their jobs to machines, it's actually the opposite. It's the people who are sitting on stage at Davos talking that shit that are losing their jobs because nobody needs them anyway. Yeah. You need a truck driver right now like you need oxygen and there aren't enough of them. So it's really interesting and ironic how, complete, how completely 180 things have gone. And now you need people to do very basic jobs, not people to pontificate on what AI is going to do to society. Those are the first people to get fired at every media company. Totally. I, I think that's a, a really great point.
0: And, you know, I'll just say this, is that, you know, you you and I, we're not economists. We're not strategists. You know, yeah. we're not like these people who are like put out there. And, and you know, all those people go to Davos and they they speak at those things and, they, and they're and they supposedly doing a lot of really thoughtful— If they, if they, if they asked you to I would go, not go to Davos.
1: You wouldn't go? No. Nobody ever asked me. It I It looks think like would. the
0: douchiest thing that I could possibly No, but imagine. I would do it my way. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I would do it. I I just I, you know what you know I'm, I heard it cost
1: uh, thirty grand. I, I should do a <laughs> podcast. There. And I don't do Twitter. Like we, should, like, we should all go to Davos. I, I'm,
0: I'm like I'm like three years behind you. Like like dropping the the, the every day like looking at Twitter and everything. And when when Davos comes, I literally go. You know they have a mute button. You can mute terms. You can mute I a mute hashtag. Dash. You know what I mean? Like or whatever. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. So we often look at a lot of this stuff through the, the lens of the markets because that's what we're charged to do when we go on CBC or we're talking about this thing. I think there's an absolutely brilliant scenario um, where I, I, you know, I probably got a little aggravated by this whole idea of like a no landing. You know, this, we went from hard landing to soft landing to no landing. Yeah. If we can get out of all this, okay, and we don't have meaningful unemployment, like have to tick up to like 5% or anything like that, that would be truly amazing. That's
1: an Olander.
0: I know. I mean, it would really truly be amazing, but there will be other repercussions for it in, in, in our economy. Let me throw the chart at you. John, yeah.
1: earnings versus the stock market, 1930, uh, 2021. This is Ben Carlson wrote this last October. So we get the question from clients all the time, why would we stay invested or why would we not pair back on stock if we know for a fact that earnings coming down, right? Very reasonable question. So this is how we answer it. And there's a lot more to this, but over the last 90 plus years, the stock market has been more likely to see positive returns, double digit returns, and up years of 20% or more when earnings are down from one year to the next. The market was also more likely to experience a double-digit loss, but not by much. So there's no linear uh, connection between a calendar year of negative earnings and the stock market going down. I wish it were that simple. And now there are a lot of reasons for that, the Fed being one of them, um, or the anticipatory nature of stock prices – adjusting themselves in advance of earnings falling, which I think you would say is exactly what we just lived through. So that's why the earnings thing, 220, 225 doesn't freak me out maybe as much as it should. Just because you and I have had multiple years in our careers where earnings were lower, stocks were higher. Look at 09. But the difference here is interest
0: rates. I mean, that's the difference, right? So if the stock market is a discounting mechanism, and last year when we were falling out of bed in October, everyone was pricing, or at least people were thinking about a negative year of year SP earnings scenario, right? And so everybody was also talking, like Nick just said, it was the most anticipated re- recession that actually hasn't happened yet, right? So yeah. what happened still, is that, we're still on that, that everybody got to that mindset. In Q4 of 2022 and then what's happened is is like the stock market the price of the stock market changed everyone. that's how we got this concept of no landing right and so like to me that doesn't that's not particularly helpful and i think it's one of those things that's turned a lot of these strategists around a little bit but we are going to have a recession make no mistake about it at some point and the stock market will have to discount that before it okay like just think about that
1: this is the clip for tiktok dan nathan just predicted a recession <laughs> At some point, <laughs> no, but but <laughs> this
0: is the
3: one that <laughs> I'm being. But, I mean, when I mean that's the that's the thing. I think the funniest thing about this table is if you flip the columns, like just the, yeah. the top, like when earnings are up year over year, when earnings are down, if you just switch the names, you wouldn't know which is which. Like you couldn't right. tell by looking at the numbers. Let's which let's, is which. Let's,
1: let's read which let's goes re-
3: back to the base case. Like. Let's
1: read these. When earnings are up year over year, seventy two percent of the time returns are positive in the next year. In the next year when yeah. earnings are down year over year uh, returns are positive 77% of the time yeah. I mean, and so this includes you're
3: talking about interest rates this includes everything from 1930 so this includes high interest rate periods of course you know most of history hasn't had i mean I guess the rates we have now are pretty normal. So I think this includes a lot of that. So I I mean, obviously, the situation well, is always different. Well, anything but
0: normal, right? So what happened here is that at three negative years in the stock market, 2000, 2001, and 02, what they did was convinced whoever the, the, the powers that be, right, and primarily at the US Federal Reserve, you know, Guy makes this comment all the, all the time that their dual mandate is not stable prices and full employment. It's the keep the NASDAQ and the S&P well bid. And that yeah. did change after. 2000 after that recession in an extended bear market um, you know and so That's when you th- yeah and so when you think about that okay so all that stuff that we've tried to like kind of say okay well you know in 2006 it was this or in 2018 it was this i mean interest rates were like nothing right and so risk asset bubbles were like a common occurrence here you know and so i don't know i mean listen i don't i don't wish I think of this as all—it's a bit of a game, right? And, and like, like literally, it's a game. Like, like invest with Red Do your thing. Don't ever change. You know what I mean? You do you. Okay. Keep dollar cost averaging. I say to all young people who have long-term time horizons, there should be a focus on just thinking about you're 25 and you have your first job out of college, you max out your 401k, you max out your IRA, whatever the hell you can do, you can't touch it. It's going to compound on average. You tell me, Nick, tax-free over 40 years until you can get to it. You know what I mean? And that's a great way to do it. Then there should be a certain portion where you YOLO or you. Yeah, that's how you express yourself. Maybe you're into ESG. Maybe you're into AI. Maybe you're into weed stocks. Maybe you're into crypto. Maybe you're into NFTs, but it should be a smaller, much smaller percentage of that other sort of stuff. You know what I mean? And so to me, I kind of live more in that camp. Those are the stuff that we're asked for hot takes on podcasts or on our shows on CNBC, right? And those are things where I think we can be effective because they're less scientific, right? They're, They're more of a feel.
1: Yeah, oh, hundred percent, or or trends. Yeah, you're following
3: trend, right? And so, yeah. trend is always going to be something that's based on sentiment and all these other factors outside of long-term historical averages. Let's right? do. Uh, so.
1: Let's 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 touch on yields because I think like this is the biggest story of the last two weeks, and definitely having an impact on stocks. But I would have thought it, it would have a bigger impact. The one uh, Sean put this together for me today. The one month, three month, six month, one year, and two year yields are now all at or above. Their 2022 highs, so the 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 interest rate situation has gotten even more uh, even even more let's say violent to the upside. The ten year is above four four uh, percent; it's thirteen basis points away from the 2022 high, and the thirty year is now above four percent and thirty basis points below its 2022 high. I would have thought that this would have been much. Would have been much heavier competition for stocks, and you would have seen a much bigger shift out of stocks and into a four or five percent treasury. But it doesn't really seem to be happening. What do you, what do you have a you have a take on what I mean? That might I be? think
3: it could be like. No, no one wants to sell their stocks and necessarily move out, but someone someone may be like, Yeah, because remember the market's still down, let's say what, 13, 14. I don't right. know the exact number now. So it's like there is some upside there that's bigger than this five percent yield. But maybe all the new money is going like you can't you have to look at flows versus you know what's your existing portfolio. Like I know for me, but I'm also the same for trying to save for an apartment eventually. So all my new money is going into treasuries just because like I, I have a physical goal I'm trying to reach. You can't and, t- and you can't yeah.
1: take the risk of, of stocks if you're about to do that. Yeah, and
3: in the next two years, you know, I talk about this, like this is not something I would recommend. If you're trying to buy a house in the next two years, you should not be parking that money in stocks. Even though, like, the expected return is probably higher, like, you
1: should be parking in treasuries. Like, that's just generally true. Are you surprised that, like, these ridiculous yields that – Three years ago seemed inconceivable. There were people talking about what if we never see three percent again?
0: With eighteen trillion dollars of negative yielding debt, just two right. years ago, right? That was like globe. not that long like, ago. No, I, I mean, no, it, I mean it's insane, and, and it's also like what Nick just said is not something I've heard more than ten times in my career. Where people are like, "Yes, I want to park money in two year T bills." Right? You know, you know ne- what I mean? Ne- like, ne- never. Not, like, Like, so, so it, it is amazing. There is an alternative, and it's a really safe and good alternative, unless MT. Uh, tanks are, uh, yeah. are 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 you know are debt rating, um, but you know I, I mean, and I don't think that's going to happen either. So yeah, there's a great alternative. I think that for the first time in a while, I mean, this is obviously what the Fed was trying to do with their zero interest rate policy and quantitative easing is push people out on the risk curve, right? And so they mission, wanted right, you, mission accomplished. <laughs> they wanted you to take a loan now to buy that apartment that you can't afford. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was the whole goal, right? And so then when people saw how easy it was, then they could do a summer home too. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever the hell it is. And so that's what's changed. I, I just think that, listen, there's got to be a bit of a reckoning for all of this kind of really bad behavior and then all of this really uncertainty because... The investment world as we know it has just been turned upside on on its head. And you cannot tell me that one year down 20% of the S&P 500 cures all those ills. It just cannot happen.
1: So from a biblical perspective, you think we need more punishment?
0: Yeah, I think we need fear. And so I'm not wishing that your 401k or your investment account or this and that or whatever gets demolished. What I'm saying is you'll get it all back just don't panic right don't like the way you were yoloing nfts and 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 spacs and all this other crap in 2021 don't do the opposite if we're down 30% from
1: the all time highs don't you know yolo, I mean? don't yolo into cash yeah well, but maybe I, I, yolo maybe, into no, but, cash right now but you though. know what i'm
0: but, but you understand <laughs> yes. what i'm saying is 100%. Like, like no no because it's not just moving into 5% bills you
1: shouldn't ever be as hot as the market or as cold as the market that's right. in, internally that's right and the more you can go against the prevailing feeling, the better off you are. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's put this Goldman Sachs chart up, John. Uh, 99% of borrowers have a mortgage rate lower than the current market rate. Well, there goes the refi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there goes the refi biz. Who put this in? I did. Okay. What do we got here? Yeah. So I think this is,
3: Super interesting, especially the distribution. Like I didn't realize there were so many people below three percent. Like this is, this is showing the percentage, each uh, each one of the numbers. And so this just shows like people do not want to give up their their very low cheap mortgages. But I do think there's an opportunity to buy right now. I, I think there's actually never been a, a probably a better time to buy despite the high mortgage rates. You're gonna say, Well, rates are so high, why would you buy? You're crazy. Well, because let's to go back what? a year. Buy a house, buy a house. Buy a yeah, name. I think okay. a buy it's more of a buyer's market. You go back a year, year and a half ago, and it was so many sellers, everything's above listing. Now you actually look, you know, seller concessions are reaching new highs, right? Redfin just talked about this. They'll cover closing costs, they're going to maybe do some repairs. So you have a lot more leverage as a buyer. Now, obviously, if you the best thing you could do is be an all cash buyer, you can just bypass this whole 7% mortgage thing. But for those that want to get a mortgage, I mean, you can this is like an option, right? You can get a 7% mortgage. And if rates go down, you can refi eventually. If they don't, like, what option do you have, right? I mean, you might as well strike when you have the most leverage in the well, mortgage. Well, I guess market. what
1: would be the reason? What would be the reason not to is that home home prices could fall another ten percent, and mm-hmm. then you feel like uh, not only did I just get the worst mortgage rate in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. I also bought something that was ten percent overvalued. But I guess if you're planning to live there. You can live with that. It's not. Yeah, the same I mean, as you, you do that over stock. 30
3: years. It's a, it's a very small difference, right, in the grand scheme of things. Like, no, I hear that, but like, okay, even if they fall 10%, like right now, like prices. Remember, prices are sticky. It's hard. It's really hard to drop your price even more because then everyone in the neighborhood. It's like there's a societal pressure not to drop prices, which is why concessions are going up. So I think you can make it back up. You might not get it on the listing price. You can get it elsewhere in the, in the deal, right? So you're saying, hey, you know what? Maybe you do thirty thousand dollars of repairs because that doesn't have to hit the list price, right? So I think there's a lot more more to this than just looking at prices. Like, yes, prices have come down about 14% since their high. Um, But, like, that's the most since, you know, the housing crisis. Prices very rarely drop, housing
1: prices. They had the CEO of United Mortgage on uh, Squawk this morning. Did you see it? Squawk and Friends? Uh, Squawk and Friends. Uh, Matt Ishbia? No. He's the guy that just bought the Phoenix Suns? Oh, yeah. Okay. He seems like a nice guy. uh, Rasnik says he knows him. He's from Detroit. Yeah. So they beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he basically had to like answer for the mortgage market in and a Durant way. and the Durant trade. Well, I don't think they didn't like, they didn't like, uh, twist his arm on that too much, but they were like, basically, he was like, we're winning. We're the biggest mortgage company in America. I think they are. He's like, he's a new countrywide, I guess. Yeah. I don't. know. He's like, we're the biggest mortgage company in America. And we win every day. And we win for our customers. And, uh, I, th- I think, uh, I think Joe was like, Dude, your stock is down sixty-seven <laughs> percent. right, oh, So, so did you guys see wait? This? Wait, wait. So he got super defensive, yeah, and he turned into a high school wrestling coach, and he's just like, "Well, yeah, you could look at the stock price, I guess. <laughs> so, well, it's a fucking show about stocks, sir. Like, what? Are you, <laughs> I don't, I yeah. don't, I don't mean to like, I don't mean to poke fun. This guy has clearly crushed it, yeah. like in life, yeah. And uh, not, not a great move with Duran, but other than that, he, this guy clearly has made a lot of smart moves. But if I were his handler, I would have been like, dude, when they talk about your stock price and you have no control yeah. over it, you got to smile. Aren't you amazed, though, how many people, and you, you know, again, you and I have been doing CNBC for 10
0: years plus, and um, how many CEOs come on, and they really are not prepared to do the one thing that they're meant to do there is just kind of you know make investors feel good like about whoa. the stock so, price. Well, name, I, name I, names. No, I,
1: I, I'm just I, you know. By the uh, way, I don't I'm think not. this guy did terribly. It was a, it was an uncomfortable listen to have the to have the guts to come on the air yeah. when your stock price has been cut in half. Yeah. I give you a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I'm not being really that critical. I'm just making an observation in in, in a way. I just want to make one point about the mortgage refi thing. So, and you asked this question, you started this part of the conversation by saying, are you surprised that with 10-year yields up up where they are, where 30-year mortgages are, that um, we're not seeing other, like more dramatic knock-on effects? It was interesting this morning when I woke up and I looked at the markets as the first thing that I do, as you guys probably do most states, And I saw the 10-year above 4%. We all knew it was going to be there. And I saw the S&P was down like 50, 60 basis points in the overnight session, and the NASDAQ was down 80. It was interesting that, did you see the banks? Did you see the money center banks? Did you see J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, City and Bank of America? They were all down between one5 and 2% this yeah. morning before the market rallied. OK, so this is Thursday into the close that we're recording right now. Um, that's me doing my little podcast thing, <laughs> I mean, just in case you just, you know, um, Duncan out edit that. (laughs) Um, but um, I thought that was really interesting because it speaks to that like those mortgage businesses. And I know they've been retrenching from those and they're trying to get in front of that and cut costs and everything wells in particular, whatever. But those are the sorts of things we're going to start to see. And, And then going back to the kind of whole unemployment thing, I mean, the banking business, there's about six banks that don't need to exist, right? Big ones that we have on our main pages are our fact set machines. You know what I mean? So we're likely to see some consolidation. We're likely to see a whole heck of a lot more job cuts over there, right? And then you think about AI and automation and some of these other things, they will take out a lot of these sorts of, processes. Now this is a five to 10 year sort of thing. So I just think there's a lot of businesses that learned how to get a lot more efficient to your point during the pandemic, right? With all this kind of work from home and all this sort of stuff, but they're also realizing how much they can do without, you know what I mean? And I think those sorts of efficiencies we're going to well, see over the next years. Well, I would just
1: say the push and pull on that is they're going to have to learn how to do without people because you're not going to, we're not making more people. Yeah. Like the workforce is not going to grow by 5% next year. That's what's missing the that's, what the that's what the labor market is demanding right now. We need like 5% more workers, every industry. So it might be that this is the best time in history to get laid off. Like, truth, well, truthfully, think about it, but to, to get th- a new th- job.
0: So we haven't even done this yet. Throw in deglobalization and reshoring and think of all the incentives. Think that's and-
1: jobs negative or positive? No, I mean, it's jobs
0: positive, but it's also very inflationary. Okay, so you're making a situation that's, it's making the, the Fed's job so much harder. Oh, I agree. So, so like, like so much harder. So you think about, so Fed Chair Powell is gonna be in front of the Senate next week, and this is all gonna get really politicized, all the inflation stuff and everything like that. Like, the Republicans are gonna start bashing him, you know what I mean? For, like, start. for, for <laughs> inflation <laughs> start, not start. going down fast enough, right? Right. The Democrats are gonna start saying, hey, listen, bro, we're, we're going into an election year here. You know what I mean? We need, like, rates lower. But they're gonna be careful what you wish for. Because if they do kind of push too hard for a pivot, maybe inflation goes higher, right? And if wage growth is the stickiest part of inflation, we've already seen all those inflationary inputs as it relates to commodities and stuff, mean revert shipping and all that sort of stuff, right? But if wages were to start to tick up again, then that means the Fed's going to have to stay higher for longer. And that's the one thing that will depress stock prices. So
1: yeah, I don't think the S&P is priced for a year of five correct. 5% plus interest rates right now. I don't think so. Yeah. I and, mean, that, and that's why I've been wrong I before. But. I'll
0: bet you, you know, I was going to say my left pinky, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I'll bet you whatever you want
1: over the next. Bet me a ticket to see the national done are we going? yes i'd love to do that <laughs> i'll bet you a
0: ticket i'll bet you this i'll bet you a ticket to see the national that before then the s&p 500 is going to retest it's going to kiss those october lows okay so that's 35 50 and you may say okay dude 39 50 or 4000. 000 that, that's not such a thing but a lot of people i think are kind of in the camp that everyone's convinced that we're going to have
1: to do with those october lows what nick tell them
0: just keep buying yeah, I mean, listen. I have a book here that please says that. from the counter. Yes, and, and please. It just. Bring keep me those buying. October lows. No, but, but that that would be like amazing. Because I'll actually tell you, I'd get a lot more constructive
1: at thirty five hundred in the S and P five hundred because at that point, it's discounting a lot of the stuff that we just oh, talked about. You know what I mean? I agree because I'm going to say, well, what's the new negative thing? Yeah. Because there will be one. Yeah. If we if we revisit the October lows, there's more shit going on than is going on right now. Yeah. So, well,
0: well. Here's one thing, and I know that, like, again, we're not, um, you know, we're not political scientists either. You know what I mean? Um, but like, the situation with China is about as bad as it's been in our lifetimes, as far as like, you know, um, yeah. just our. And, and so when you think about this, this, is a great? There was a story in Bloomberg earlier this week talking about Apple suppliers like hurrying to kind of like you know reorient the supply chains out of China and Taiwan. Okay, and they're doing that.
1: It, it, Elon's it, building in Mexico. Yeah. everyone sees it coming. No, no, they, yeah, they all yeah, see agree. it coming.
0: But think about this. Okay, think about if you're the largest market cap company in the world with a $400 billion revenue base that depends on China for a good part of your future growth, manufacturing, you know what I mean? All that sort of stuff, right? Well, if you're China and think about what they do to their own tech companies, okay? If a lot of the jobs, the hundreds of thousands of jobs that are there to make iPhones and iPads and, and, and MacBooks and everything like that, they're going to Mexico or Brazil or Vietnam or this, that, whatever, then if you're the Chinese, you don't give a shit anymore about Apple and Tim Cook and the 20 years that they spent, you know, reorienting their company, manufacturing, everything like that. And you actually may shut down the app store in China soon. You may like do a whole host of things. You may push their citizens towards being more nationalistic towards their own products. I think it's important to also know Apple's iPhone is like four or five in market share any given quarter in China. Okay, so think about that. So these local manufacturers that use Android software that are far more popular um, than China. Tesla,
1: same thing. Okay, Tesla, oh, I agree. they'll they'll run the casinos out on the rail. I, I'm with you. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway has huge exposure to Apple and just sold their Taiwan semi position. Oh. They just bought it and sold it. It was like a day trade in Berkshire time. So I, I feel like that is a big thing on the horizon. I certainly don't think that's a reason for people to not invest because it could it could get worse or it could also get better. And to your point, none of us really It's a disaster can. for Tesla. I'm just going to tell you that because like 40% of their
0: sales are oh, coming from and China. and I think
1: that's starting to be reflected in Tesla well, stock. Yeah. Tesla had- uh, Shareholder day this week. Can you remember a year where that wasn't an upside catalyst? Yeah. That was a sell the news. It went down 6% today. So
0: you know why, though? I mean, so here's the thing that, that like the cult followers, they just don't want to see. That consensus estimates and earnings this year. So this was a margin expansion st- story. And it was an earnings story. With Tesla? Yeah. And margins last year in Tesla were 25.5% gross margins. They're expected to be 22 this year. You know Why? obviously weak demand, the price cuts, okay, all of this expense, all this sort of stuff. And then their earnings are expected to be flat. Their earnings are likely to be down. And consensus is still calling for 25%, you know, a, a revenue bump this year. This could be a really, really bad story for 2023 after it was a disaster in 2022. And the other thing is, it's like that guy sold tens of billions of dollars of stock to buy probably one of the worst purchases <laughs> in the history of corporate America buying Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he improved it, so. No, he didn't. <laughs> and you know, and you're not even, and you're
3: not on you t-
1: it. I don't even know. Are you tweeting still, or are you just like— Yeah,
3: I tweet to, to my blog. That's it. I don't. I mean, once in a while, I'll say something, but like, I see something are funny. You tw- but are you tweeting? I'm
1: just doing our content,
0: basically.
3: That's and, what everyone and, says. And trolling,
1: and trolling Elon. No, but that's what says everyone it. says. If you ask them, do you tweet? They're yeah. like, I just put my links out. Yeah. I don't know anyone that's like, yeah, I love it. Like yeah. I, I really don't I, I don't know what I don't know what it looks like now because I, I c- mean the algorithms
3: change so much like you have to either do a thread you either do threads or most people are just posting links to content but links get so downplayed like in terms of engagement what, like, what about the threads. super
2: long ones now you can you can do posts with how many yeah, I don't characters even know I've are, seen they, it. are yeah. they
1: you're saying are they giving like priority. Views to threads. They've o- they've always really done that. Yes, because it keeps people on Twitter longer. So versus that's my like link uh, Instagram, you if you post yeah, yeah. something as a reel, it's more likely to be yeah, seen. Yeah, they they, but they've done that for a long time. So now you this have just people worse, upload so. a photograph and play music and yeah. make it a video, yeah. but it's just a still photo. But it's a reel. People so, hate reels. I mean, they think that reels has so
0: ruined like. Instagram. Yeah. Like so, so all of these things, you know, like that we used I, to I like. Can, like I you you uh,
1: k- can I ask you about? about Buffett's uh, Taiwan? No. Buffett's letter this weekend and the whole buyback thing. This seems to be like a really big story oh again. Why are we still talking about well, buybacks? It's crazy. Well, tell me, why, <laughs> tell me why we're still talking about it. I don't
3: know. It's like it's like Newton discovered gravity in like 16, in the late 1600s and we're like in the 1800s. Like, is gravity still a thing? Like, are you, what do you guys think? It's So like, are
1: buybacks, good or bad, is still a topic?
3: I know. I uh, How? That's my how this – how is this still because being discussed?
1: It's so easy to <laughs> use it to make some people look bad. Like I, I don't Rich I, people, I should say. So
3: like the only the, the only argument I've heard against buybacks, which is something I've heard on Epsilon theory, which is basically like some companies use it as a form of like really big, you know, share compensation, right? They're, they're giving sterilizing like, the, like yeah, the stock sterilizing sterilizing the stock out. options, right? But that has nothing to do with buyback. Buybacks is the tool. It's like you're using a hammer to like do something bad. You know, it's like you're not the, the hammer is not the issue. It's like it's the stock based compensation that we care about. And the buyback is just a tool for right, that. So I uh, break
1: your window with a hammer. And you're like on on uh, MSNBC. Are hammers bad? Yes, that's like, exactly the no, issue. Okay, I'm with you. On, I'm with you on that. What do you, What do you think? Buffett said. Uh, this is what he said. Let me give you his quote. When you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate or a silver-tongued demagogue. Characters that are not mutually exclusive. That's uh, Warren Q. Buffett this uh this weekend what do you think um, you know, I, I'm kind of in Nick's camp.
0: I, I don't, I mean, I get that there's like a political argument about like how if 80% of the stocks are owned by 20% of the, you know, the the people here, and we know that it skews to kind of upper income sort of folks or institutional owners or this and that or whatever. So, you know, the buybacks are taxed at a much lower rate than dividends. and, One, and currently and, 1%, yeah.
1: which we're going to have a trillion dollars worth of buybacks here regardless. Yeah,
0: and and so to me, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's about the incentive. Right. And so, um, like if you're doing it to offset stock-based compensation, well, maybe that's the wrong play. When you look at the difference between adjusted earnings and gap earnings for some of these growth companies, it's crazy. But People still talk about this as a profitable company. When you look on a gap basis, you know what I mean? Like, like it's yeah, not we're
1: profitable. Just take out the billion dollars Correct. In, in, in stock-based compensation. And our right. friend
0: Jim Chanos r- rails yes. about this. And so then the other thing I just say is, is kind of interesting that Buffett, since he bought Apple and he's made billions, of, right? Like, 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 what's the number? He's made like tens, if not hundreds of billions yeah, yeah, of yeah. dollars in his Apple investment. Apple has bought back a half a trillion dollars worth yeah. of stock during that time period. But think about this. People have been talking about Apple as a growth company. You take out the half a billion Trillion dollars that they bought back over the last 10 years. This company has been growing earnings at like single digits on average. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was trading for a while until the buybacks really kicked in. It was trading at below a market multiple. Do you remember that? Like for a good part of the teens? Dude, and
1: stuff people like that. don't even understand. Buffett is not even the reason Apple is doing buybacks. Carl Icahn is. Yeah. And he's not even in the stock anymore. Yeah. He had to take Tim Cook out to dinner twice. To get the buyback thing started, I think that was in Scott's book. I Apple think it was, was, was it? Apple was just sitting on. What else should they do? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. You there's know, there's a fantasy that Elizabeth Warren and others have where companies are doing buybacks instead of employing her yeah. constituents, and that's obviously not true because Apple has been employing tons of people at the same time as they're buying back stock, at the same time as they're doing R and D. So that's not really how yeah, the world. Listen, the world Congress. Works.
0: And the senators, for the most part, who, who make these arguments have shown us time and time again um, at these hearings and, and the like that they just don't know anything about any.
1: I think like AOC thinks like a CEO sits and says, should I do a buyback or should I hire people? Like, and that's not actually the conversation that takes place in any boardroom. I mean, that conversation
3: doesn't take place, but this is a capital allocation decision. It's a, it I mean, is. this goes back to Peter Thiel's idea that like we don't know what to do with the money, and right? so we just buy back our stock. We give it to, to back to the shareholders. You guys figure out what to yeah. do with it, right? And so maybe the argument, and I'm not defending, I think they're generally wrong, but I think their argument is like, why aren't you taking more risk with your capital to do new things and try new stuff? And like that is an argument to be made, but that's a, I don't think that's the argument they're making, but I think that is an argument that can be made. Can I make
0: an Argument about something about AOC, and this is probably going to be controversial with your listeners. It would definitely not do be, it. It would be it would <laughs> be, it, it, it on would the be for ours. But you know, it's funny. Um, so many people that I know on Wall Street, the financial media, media and stuff, who are lean left and are progressive, they they can't stand. It's like New Yorkers. They don't. She is a great politician. Can you imagine if she ever got learned up on the policy? Like I'm just saying, AOC, given how young she is um, and where what she subject? came from, You're
1: saying in economics, yeah,
0: on a lot of stuff. I mean, like think about it. Like for instance, and I'll tell you this: I think that like Elizabeth Warren probably thinks she knows a lot about policy and economics and this and, and whatever. I think she's a horrible politician. You know what I mean? Like think about that, right? Like those are two really different things. And okay. it's like,
1: but here, but here's here's what your uh, Moderate liberal, uh, socially liberal, uh, fiscally conservative, Not, you know, yeah. friend group doesn't understand yeah. what district does AOC represent? Yeah, I, I, I get should it. Should she be pro f-ing stock buyback? Yeah. She's representing some of the most impoverished areas of Queens and the Bronx, yeah. and she absolutely should be a communist yeah. because that, but that's. She needs to get reelected there. Well, she's going to run for Senate soon. And by the way, Senate none soon. of this shit in the stock market is is helping anybody that right. she works okay. for. Well, she's going to so, run for Senate soon, right? Yeah, Think I, about that. And then she's going to have to broaden it out. You can't just speaking to that, like, that, you know, that demographic. I agree. I want to read this quote to you guys. We're we're, uh, we're running down to the wire here, but there's a lot of stuff I wanted to get to. This guy, uh, Kapikar, who is, Nate Kapikar, who is shorting private equity. And I don't know if I love that trade because a negative carry. These companies pay big distributions. Mm-hmm. And if you're short these uh, holding companies, you have to – you're responsible for that. Um, but I kind of like his reasoning. Um, this comes from an institutional investor. San Francisco-based Orso, the short dedicated hedge fund Copacar launched in 2019 with Scott Matagrano, keeps a running tally of celebrities involved in private equity and venture capital including such names as Serena Williams, Diddy, Jay-Z, Alex Rodriguez, Tyra Banks, and the list goes on. Um, According to Copacar, it's all about capitalizing on the influencer movement. Why focus on Kardashian? Quote, it is ultimately fitting that America's most famous reality TV star has gone into private equity. Uh, Reality shows are scripted and fake. When the S&P 500 falls 25%, growth stocks fall 65% plus, And private investment firms massively overweight growth uh, claim that their private investments in real estate are up in 2022. There is no better way to describe it than scripted and fake. It's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, they don't take marks when they're
0: supposed to. A private
1: private, uh, real estate fund saying it's up last year. Yeah. And, the, and the average REIT is down percent Well, 25%. that was like that B REIT, I mean, right? Like the Blackstone yeah. REIT. Oh,
0: actually, right? it's
3: funny. I, I just saw a tweet today from EconomPix, someone I follow, and uh, he said in January, the average real estate mutual fund returned 10.2%. The worst one returned five point seven two. percent lost negative zero point two percent. So that's a catch so, up from the yeah. There's they're starting to mark yeah. to mark. They're slow. They're doing it. They're oh, they actually they were actually probably up five or ten percent, but
0: now they're gonna like start. Don't your people call this a fugazi? Yeah, what a fugazi. fugazi. So can Italian? Have you yeah. seen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I watched. What do you mean? Your I watched <laughs> this show. Did you watch this movie on Netflix? You people, you must. Have. Yes, of course. And you loved Come it, on. right? They made that movie for me. I literally was thinking like, if you know, like Jonah Hill. You know what I mean? Like, if he was a little
1: slimmer. I,
0: I, I would see him as you. you know Thank what I mean? you so much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One thing about that movie is that they went way too far on the black stereotypes than the Jewish yeah, stereotypes. Yeah. Like the the Jewish stereotypes a were cringy. funny. It was a little cringy after Making Eddie Murphy like a militant Muslim yeah, yeah, was too much. Yeah. I, I felt. He enjoyed it. You could tell. He, oh, no. He really Listen, that. it's it's comedy. Yeah. You yeah. do whatever you want. I don't get offended by anything. Um, it would have been a better movie if it was like a little bit less uh, of a caricature. I think it should have been. I, uh, I think
0: it should have been a limited series. I think it needed more uh, character development.
1: I would take more Jonah Hill. Yeah, uh, who put this in the U.S. stock market? I did. Throw this up, John. What are we looking at here? Left pipe. Oh, oh by the down. way, let's. Let's get uh, let's get some ice cubes. Yeah, we got some tequila. We got some ice cubes that need to be marinated.
0: Como tequila.
3: Um, left side is world stock market breakdown of market cap in 1899. Right side is 2023. These bananas. Yeah, and so it's really cool. Look at to- the UK, Dan. Uh, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so this is, remember, this is relative share, not absolute share. I would say the UK stock market is much, much larger today than it was before, even though the share has dropped precipitously. So So. the
1: UK was 24% of the global stock market in 1899, and now it is what? 4.1%. 4.1%. And, uh... What are, what are, what are some of the other big differences? I guess the USA is the <laughs> yeah, main story. USA. You know what I
0: love though is that Japan at not six point three percent, um, you know, now versus a fifty eight and a half for us. And Japan's equities have done nothing for twenty five mm-hmm.
1: years. And in eighteen ninety nine, there was no Japanese stock yeah. market. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So I think I think uh, we should prepare to see the U.S. at fifty eight percent not be fifty eight percent. Yeah, I, I would be shocked. shocked, but none of us I would really be absolutely
3: shocked if it. I mean, it'll still be up there and it'll definitely. I mean, because everyone's like, oh, you know, what happens when the empire, you know, like the U.S. empire ends? Isn't the world going to end? Or someone's like, no, like, look at the U.K. was the yeah. biggest thing in the world then and they had a bigger share, but look, they're still here. They're just not what they used to be. That's it. It's like, we're going to have the same thing. When that's going to happen, who knows? I mean, it could take a lot longer, but, you know, for as far as I know, like, I could just, I see it shrinking. I just don't know when. So we were
1: gonna, I was going to get to these last two, uh, blog post that Nick has done. Um, you did this one where you looked at Vanguard and affluent retail households. So these are people at Vanguard with a million dollars or more and what they actually do with their money and their asset allocation. John, do we have this? So I thought what was interesting is how consistent the asset classes stay uh, throughout this. So basically equities are 60, uh, this is back to 2015. Equities are 63% then 2016, 63, then 65, then 61, then 64. What, I guess what I would ask you is like, what would have to change for this to radically deviate from where it is? This is just the millionaire uh, I mean, portfolio, this, yeah, right? Yeah,
3: this is this is averaged across all the ages, right? So there is there are actually changes in allocation based on age, right? So people will generally get out of equities and go more into fixed income as they get older, which obviously makes sense. We all know the, you know, 110 minus your age as your stock allocation, et cetera. So I think the only way I would see this change, I remember, this is looking from 2015 to 2019, a relatively, you know, it's kind of a short period. period. Yeah, short period. Only in 2018 did we see a drop because remember at the end of 2018, there was that we had that little crash, right? So you did see a little bit of drop there. The only thing that's going to change, this is a large change in markets, right? Like a, a massive... You know, depression or something like that, or just major changes in, in uh and how people invest, right? Or something. Those are the only two things I could foresee. Are you
1: a, are you a Grant Cardone guy? Uh, not,
3: not really. Are you? I, you definitely aren't. I like don't him. even know who he is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he he does say some stuff.
1: Like, didn't he say something recently that was like, "Oh, if Discipline. you're only if you're a single digit millionaire, Plus you're, you're in the middle to, class." Like so that, so that. I wanted to so ask like, you. So, speaking of, he said, <laughs> "Single digit millionaires are the new middle class." Yeah. Quote: "You are not wealthy. You are worried." Oh, I just think he just it's you know it,
3: he does? says it to be provocative it, he has no idea of what the data looks like and if you actually look at the data being a millionaire even if I know a, a million now is actually like you'd have to have 1.8 million to be like what a million was like back in like let's say the year 2000 right when, when when who wants to be a millionaire came out that was when like a million was a million and now you need about two million to to, to be the same off but, Dude,
1: my answer is a million where yeah <laughs> where do you live <laughs> yeah amongst and other I'll things. tell you if you feel like a, if you feel like you're wealthy or not so it's yeah. chan-
0: I'm a bit older than you guys I, I think what a 50 year old man here living in New York. I think what's changed a lot um, about those sorts of, like Thank that you. sort of data and the way people perceive those sorts of things. Oh, wait, hold on.
1: This is the Comos. This is Comos. Anejo. Anejo Cristalino. Cristalino.
0: It's delicious. Mm-hmm. So, good friends of mine, just so you know, Joe Marchese, who I think you know from Human Ventures, um, he co founded this company, CKBG, with uh, Richard Betts, who is a master psalm, and they created this tequila and they have uh, a few tequilas. The company's doing great, and the tequila is literally one of the best so I have the best
1: tequila shop in my area Mm. the guy loves uh, Como. he has everything oh really he has has everything he has the best distributor yeah and he's getting shit that like you can't buy online and he loves this and he loves this awesome and you had
0: the you had the Rosa last time I was on with you yeah he
1: doesn't like the red one he likes the uh, he likes this one and the and the lighter blue one Oh, cheers. cheers. Hey, congrats to your guys' success. I know that- um oh, Thank When you.
0: last time I was here, your YouTube channel just crossed over like
1: 100,000 uh, listeners. Yeah, we're at 101,000 now. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <laughs> I'm just saying it's still amazing. You know, it's kind can of plateaued a little bit. Can I, I tell, mean, tell you why yeah. it's
1: so hard to build a really big audience on YouTube? Yeah. There are 50 million channels. I don't know if you knew that. Also, the way that you build an audience is something that we would never do. So You trick people. Yeah. So you have outrageous video titles in- indicating that something's either about to die or crash, also, or someone's going to get hurt.
2: Josh won't do any of the thumbnails with the Home Alone face. <laughs> I was going to say,
1: what's this guy? Uh, meet Kevin. something like that. No yeah. disrespect. I have no idea who this person is. He's a huge YouTube channel. I watched a few minutes of it. Like, I, you know, I'm sure he's great. Yeah. I'm sure his audience loves him. All of his thumbnails is Home Alone face. Like, yeah. <laughs> but people f-ing click on that if yeah. they see it. And that's like, there's like shit that we're just not going to do. Yeah. And I don't think you and no, Guy and no. Danny. Are gonna do no, but, <laughs> but that that there's something
0: to be said. I mean, like the way you guys and all of your properties and in, in your whole Holtz family, the way you've kind of started out writing, keeping it real. Then you went to social and you did things that were complimentary to that. And you had to stay within the bounds of running a financial services company. And, yeah. and you know, you guys have done TV there's something to be said is just slow and steady. I mean, none of us are trying to go public. You know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're not trying to hockey stick anything here. We, you know, and in your, in your listeners and your viewers and your readers, they appreciate the consistency and the honesty and the transparency of it. You know what I mean? If they start seeing you doing goofy shit on TikTok... Then you probably lose a little bit of credibility every 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 talk.
3: I mean, yeah, our I entire guess. business is reputation, and right. Yeah. So it's like, what do you want to sell? Like, just to make a few extra bucks, are you willing to yeah. sell that out? Or like, do you want? I mean, I always come back to this quote that Jason Zweig's father told him: like, if you tell the truth to people that want the truth, you can make a living. If you tell the truth, uh, or if you lie to people that want to be lied to, you can make a fortune. And if you tell the truth to people that people want to be lied to, you make nothing. You'll yeah. go broke, right? And
1: so it's like telling the truth yeah. that people want. Yeah, the you got to pick that to first group living. and. Yeah. And just be, like, happy with, with that. And that's got to be good enough. And it's not a zero-sum game. I mean, like, you guys come on our
0: podcast. We've come on yours. We've done stuff together. Like, I, yeah. I, I hear from so many of our listeners, oh, we love Josh and, you know, and we love Michael. And we like, lo- you know, like, so th- there's there's a lot of room for everybody. You know what I mean? Like uh, Oh, I
1: agree. Yeah. And then the thing that I have to guard against is, like, there are a lot of influencers on social media that are like, hey, come on my show or I'll come on your show. And then you, like, spend a few minutes just looking at what they are. It's like, look, I had to say no to this person. I'm sure they're a very nice person. Yeah. But this person is not registered to do business anywhere. Like, is giving financial advice without a license. Is uh, uh, getting uh, likes on their posts by saying shit that is obviously not true. Um, You know, it's just like, of course I would never, like, give this person – my legitimacy by appearing on their thing yeah. but like how do i say no without being a dick yeah. like and that's you know something that you have to learn how to Can do I, the easy you can't, thing is you can't be seen with you can't be seen yeah. with with everybody under
0: the sun well here's the here's the easy thing It's like i know i know your business i know what you do every day i know what i, I know do your business there's there's not enough time in the day to say well, yes. That's a whole other- you, don't, you don't know what, what I'm saying is. And so, like, why do we keep doing this stuff? Because, A, we enjoy it. B, we really respect it. You know what I mean? Like, that's at the core of it. And I think that, you know, you hear this all the time. People have to learn to say no. It wasn't until the last few years that I started doing that. And you just have to figure out how to do it
1: gracefully. Well, 100%. I mean, you must get asked to, you must get asked to do, like, uh, speaking engagements that aren't appealing or – like yeah, collaboration I, with other creators. Yeah, most
3: of the stuff I've said no to is like crypto related stuff. But like I do get like asked to do like, oh, let's do it, like do a I'll do a guest post on your blog, you do on one of mine. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Like I don't I don't do want your post on my blog. Yeah, I don't I don't try to do is I did a lot of podcasts last year for the book, but I'm really trying to minimize the number I do this year. I think I've only done two this year so far. I'm not you really had, trying to you do you had, had imposters
1: on Instagram pretending to be you?
3: Yeah, all that stuff. So it's just like there's a lot of that stuff going on, and I'm just not really, you know, into that. So I like I try to protect my time as much oh. as I before
2: we move on from this topic, I just want to mention the uh, combo show that we did at the NASDAQ with On the Tape uh, podcast hit number two on the podcast uh, charts for investing. No way. Investing category. That was a big show.
0: That. Yeah, That was great. We got to do more of that. Because
1: so your so whole so cool. audience and my whole audience yeah. tuned in, and uh, it was a big show. So It was I, fun. I thought that was great. We raised a lot of money for uh, charity. Yeah. Uh, last thing we're going to do, Silvergate. Yeah. Have you ever heard anything like this before? This stock, we have talked about it. The stock went down 60% today. Yeah. Uh, they announced that they're not sure if they're still viable as a public company. They have so many investigations and lawsuits that they don't like – they're not sure if they want to stay in business or not. Uh, this was a $14 stock when they announced that. I think it's 6 now. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything like this before? No. I, you know what? I, I actually have. Like twenty years ago. I mean, this is the thing
0: that you I saw think people, a company come out and, and commit suicide. I don't mean like this, but I mean like 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 this was like this was o2 This was oh. You know what I mean? Like this was stuff that was going on, and even in O9, after the stock market bottom, there was like stuff like this. And you know, one of the things I'll just say is like, think of it. This is a regulated company that was operating in a very unregulated space. And so what? Like like With I the d- shadiest uh, yeah, people as customers. But, And and I just find it interesting that, like, you know, like, God, it was – Every day, SBF and FTX for November and December and the calendar turns and we don't talk about crypto and we don't talk about it anymore. And then this story comes about and we got to talk about it on podcasts. And this happened when was on Fast Money last night. And I'm like, Melissa's looking at me. I'm like, I'm out. I, I, I don't care.
1: If you were invested in this company, shame on you. You know what I mean? Well, like, part of this story is the short sellers have been dead right here. Yeah. What they have been doing, they've been very vocal, I guess. And they've been like writing letters to the Federal yeah. Reserve. And what they're basically alleging and looks like maybe there's truth to it because this company is waving the white flag, they're saying like this is a bank that's being used for criminal activity, like right out in the open, money laundering, all kinds of AML shit. And they're – I mean it appears that they're right.
0: Yeah, so, so just real- I don't know
1: enough to, shout have to a Shout out to
0: uh, uh, Porter Collins and, and Vincent Daniel, who are Danny Moses' partners. They were in the big short. You know the, the yeah, guys. Yeah. They've come on our podcast numerous times last year. They've been literally talking about Silvergate being one of their largest shorts, and they were like these guys, they were all over it.
1: That's and, the other thing that's interesting. 80% of the float was sold short. Yeah. And normally when you see that, it's like, oh my God, all these guys have to cover. This is a yeah, lie. yeah. This one- actually all the shorts made money. Funny,
0: I'll tell you this that I was on a beach somewhere um it was the uh December of 02, okay? So think about this period of time and I bumped into a guy, and without naming names, he was a trader at SAC Capital and 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 I saw him on the beach uh in the Caribbean and he's wearing a hat. It was CMGI. Oh my god. And I said to him I said like what 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 gives? He's like, "Dude, paid for this. But you know what I mean? Like, like literally, it's short. Like it's going to zero. So z- it's short, short the whole yeah, way yeah, yeah. down. It's going to zero. You know, like the,
1: the, the, that sort of thing. And CMGI thought, was uh, an incubator of other dot coms Yeah, losing yeah. money. Yes, so
0: you remember that. It was like a poster child. It was like a publicly traded VC fund. It was Internet Capital Group in that one. Remember that? Of CMGI. Course. Yeah, never- yeah. And so I just always remember like seeing right, that guy with Let me with ask you. So,
1: so as soon as Silvergate put this out, they were supposed to report earnings. Mm-hmm. They're like, actually, instead of earnings, we have a surprise. We may not be viable Yes, <laughs> I, base, I've never seen that. Okay. We face I mean, investigations yeah, yeah. from the SEC, yeah. the FBI, the fing every everyone, and lawsuits, private lawsuits, and shareholder lawsuits, and this it's not fun anymore. And we're we're probably we're maybe not viable. Right after that, uh every every inbox in the country started getting hit with circle, Coinbase, uh Gemini. Galaxy, we don't do business for Silvergate. We don't do business. We're stopping to do business with Silvergate. So they made themselves like a, a pariah with one filing. I mean, no, nobody could do any business. I, I read. Business right I now. read. So Matt
3: Levine wrote about this today, and he was like, "This is like a actual like bank run, not like the crypto yeah, legit stuff." Like, bank. Like, yeah, this was like a legit, legit bank ba- run. It's a yeah. bank. Yeah, and it is a bank, right? And so I think the the, the lesson here is like counterparty risk matters. Who you do business with matters. Even if you're doing the right thing, and I don't know. I can't speak for Silvergate. I don't want to say anything about them. I don't know enough about their business. But even if you're doing the right thing, if all your counterparties are not, you get caught up in that because then you have to sell assets to for you know, for liquidity reasons, and then you end up getting hit. So now, how do you know ways. who's
1: a legitimate counterparty? This was New York Stock Exchange listed- I mean you would have thought that this all is of the you, one. If all
3: of your counterparties are unregulated, that's probably not a great sign, right? right? Yeah. That's
1: like there's ways to think about this. You're like, well, hey, "I the finance yeah. was like very heavily tied in with these guys and moving money in and out." So that's a huge red flag even if you don't know anything about banking you know that whatever that guy's got cooking, you don't want to yeah. be anywhere near it. Just, you know,
0: I'm absolutely mesmerized with what you guys have done in the studio since I've been here last. Dope, and right? I'm looking over your shoulders and I'm looking at this bookshelf, which is amazing. And I keep going back to one of the best books on this bookshelf, More Money Than God by Bethany
1: McLean. Oh, McClain. that's such a great- Right?
0: And that,
3: that's- hey,
1: Bethany Mc... No, that's not no.
3: Bethany McLean. So more Bashed Money in, Than God is, he's the one that put out that- Maliby? Yeah, Malaby. He put out the VC book this year. Keep it out, the Power Law book. Wait, where is it? More money look at at done? It's, right,
0: it's, it's right to the, it's right there. More yeah,
3: money. S- Sebastian Melaby it says it right there. Yeah, oh, take that it's out. The hedge fund book.
0: Take that out. Yeah. Cut that.
1: No, Bethany's Cut book was that. great too. What I, about oh, Enron? Oh, yeah, the smartest guys in the room. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I, why did I think she also wrote that? That was a good book. Yeah. All right, we're doing favorites. Did you have fun on the show today? I loved it. Thank Thank it's amazing. I <laughs> crushed it today. It's amazing. And I know you have to be out of here uh, relatively quickly, so I'm going to let you go first. What, uh, so am I going to leave and not listen to your favorites? No, no, no. But okay. I'm saying, like, you could you could. stuff. Uh, All right, real quickly, my it. favorite. I love that you guys do this.
0: Um, my favorites, last weekend I was in Tempe, Arizona. And and, and I, I guess the name of the festival was the Innings Festival. It's at a
1: minor league baseball yeah. facility, yeah, right? Yeah, it was
0: amazing. I actually went to a or Padres spring, spring, game spring and, uh, and and saw uh, the Padres play the White Sox. I'm going back next week to Arizona. Is Batnick still in Arizona or no next week?
1: Uh, I think he's coming back today.
0: Okay, going to another Padres game. But – the the name of the festival is Innings Festival, but like when I was looking at it, it was like kind of Dad Rock Festival. So yeah, it was big time. it was uh, Green Day, who I love, Eddie Vedder, who I love, uh, Weezer, and Marcus Munford and uh, Eddie Eddie. Well, who show, do you think goes
1: to spring training games in Arizona? Yeah, the same people that listen to Wilco and yeah, and Pearl, yeah, you and yeah, me. Yeah, And we're going to National. You and I, one hundred percent, I'm going go. yeah, to go. But I have to win the bet. I have to win the bet. Nick's going to come. Uh, all right. So what was it like? What was what was the best thing you saw besides Eddie? Uh, Green Day
0: I mean I, I'll tell you this I loved Green Day since you know Dookie came out in 1994 like? or something like greatest that. hits now it, it, it is the greatest hits
1: but they have so many goddamn hits you know
0: what they, they lean heavily into uh, American Idiot um, oh, yeah. you know it's so a lot of Jesus said. Suburbia American Idiot that's right you know Minority it, it was just he just puts on an amazing show you know and uh, yeah. I, I love Billy Joe and uh, I listen I love Eddie he's like in the Mount Rushmore Is
1: probably Eddie mm-hmm. the boss what's um, the only one left yeah. Do you know that entire generation of singers yeah. uh, Cornell, are, are dead? Yeah. Every single one Leonard of them. Cobain, Taylor Hawkins. I'm keep going for yeah. it. All right,
0: I will say this. I'm going to see – go see people, Foo Fighters, as much as you can. Whoever they have replaced Taylor, like, you know, RIP because he was amazing. Dave Grohl – I saw him three times in 2021. He's the last rock star. He, he is just he's the last. so epic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I
3: love it. He's worked night. with everyone. I mean, because I'm really into metal. I mean, I like rock, oh, yeah. but I'm really into metal. And he's worked with, like, he's well-respected in yep. everyone in the metal community. Like, he's worked with, like, when he worked with Lemmy when he was alive, yep. he put a, together, like, these metal albums and stuff. He's done a lot of great stuff. So I You're saw the fan. Foo
1: Fighters show at MSG when they first opened up after COVID. I it was did, the first too. Con- I you was there. there. It was June 17, that's 2021. Maybe, that's maybe the most epic uh, show. Father's Day. You remember you that? you there? You were? Yeah. Is that incredible? And they open with times like these. Ugh. And then like. Wait, wait. But you're going to say it. The no, weirdest thing that it. happened. No, the uh, we- Dave Chappelle? Singing creep. Dave Chappelle did a Radiohead cover. <laughs> oh, wild! Not something you would have on your bingo card for. Uh, it was so weird. For a Foo Fighters show. Yeah, it was amazing. Not on the bingo card. Gorillaz? Uh, Gorillaz? Yeah, I like, like Gorillaz.
3: I like the Gorillaz. I, like I haven't heard the new album, but. Yeah. New
1: album is. I didn't even know they had one. That's but. your jam. You know what? It's the perfect blend for me of like it's alternative yeah. and it's modern, but then it's like they bring all these throwback rappers on yeah. to just drop these incredible. They verses. toured this past summer. They were in New York. I remember. So the new record came out this week uh, or Friday. It's called Cracker Island, and uh, like they like they pulled an MC from like the far side. Like they like mm-hmm. they yeah. go back and they pull. Uh, rappers from the '90s, 2000s, like people that you would, don't even think still are around, yeah. and uh, the whole thing just works really well. So if you're into uh, alternative music or hip hop at all, the new Gorillaz album is the shit. All right, that's all I have for today, Duncan. Anything we need to announce? Or we can get let uh, Dan get on his way. I think we're good. Yeah. All right. So far, so good though. The new set, like yeah. we're okay.
2: I mean, let's let's see how it turns out.
1: Okay. I hope it's slimming on YouTube. That's all I'm going to say. I think it is. Okay. I doubt it. Your your uh, jacket
2: actually blends in with the background kind of. So okay. It's gr- kind of like you're just a floating head. Okay, great. Hey,
1: guys, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure that you've left at least one review. Multiple reviews would be fine too. Reviews are how other people find the show. So if you think this is good, other people probably should discover it. All right. Uh, our thanks to Dan Nathan. Dan can be found occasionally on Twitter. Ish, at Risk Reversal. At Risk Reversal. You don't seem too excited about yeah. it. Riskreversal.com is the site. Yeah. And of course, On The Tape podcast, which I am a huge fan of. Make sure you add that to your regular listening routine. Thanks to Dan. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks, guys. All right, fun. so do you, do you feel warmed up like you were